Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I have to say, this isn't going to be, you know, a Stanley Cup competitive year for the Red Wings, of course, and by no means are we at the end of talking about the rebuild, but think about this. Our biggest, or a lot of the Red Wings fans' biggest gripe as of the time of recording, 1.30 p.m. on Monday, uh, is that the Red Wings are keeping, you know, Carter Rowney or Sam Gagne rather than Bobby Ryan. And if that is the biggest, you know, point of contention in this roster heading into the home opener on Thursday, this is miles beyond what we've been dealing with over the past five years as Red Wings fans. To be fair, the roster doesn't come out till later this evening, so there could be some surprises and, and some gripes to come. Yep. Because, uh, you know, the they couldn't have their roster out now, and though they have to release it while we'll be eating Thanksgiving dinner with our families. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, NHL. The Yeah. So for those who don't know, this, uh, this weekend was uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. And before you say that's silly, consider this. Canadians still, a lot of Canadians still, for the most part, I mean, kind of celebrate both Thanksgivings because American Thanksgiving, you get the football and, you know, a lot of like the national attention to Thanksgiving and Canadian Thanksgiving is just like a, a pre-Thanksgiving, a warm-up Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. On American Thanksgiving, my ass is on the couch watching football all day. Yeah. I'm definitely not doing that. No. Yeah, we, we assume that. No, I never really cared about American Thanksgiving other than I think they get m- the Friday and Monday off, which is... Which is way better. Very. That makes me very jealous. They got the Thursday, Friday off. Well, Anyways, they get two. We get one. That's why all the it's football really games happy. are on the Thursday afternoon. That would make sense, yeah? That's also why I don't know if it's Monday or Thursday. <laughs> the the biggest, it's, it's funny because that's the only Lions game that I'm excited for at any point during the year. <laughs> but I won't be talking about the Lions right now for two reasons. One, the very obvious reason, which, I mean... Detroit sports fans are are going to be happy that I'm not going to get into that. Two, that'll open up a window for Brad to talk about the Buffalo Bills. And Evan's eyes might roll 720 degrees backwards. I do not twice. care one bit about football. I'm just so happy right now. It is. Those are the two ends <laughs> of the spectrum right there. Okay, folks. Uh, enough talk about uh, holidays. Enough talk about football. This is the Winged Wheel Podcast. We're here to talk to you about the Detroit Red Wings. This is the Detroit Red Wings 2021-2022 season preview episode. And I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I am another host, Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. <laughs> <laughs> oh god here we go (laughs) um on this episode of the winged wheel podcast we are going to be talking everything uh detroit red wings coming into this season so obviously as brad mentioned we are still waiting on roster decisions to come out officially but a lot of those things will change between now and thursday as well um a lot of what's happening today is paper moves so to speak and we'll get into all that uh, but we're going to be talking about what we expect what might happen and expectations for the Red Wings not just for the home opener uh, but for the entire season um, we are going to be going over lineups we're going to be going over what might happen with rookies uh, down in the AHL you know everything from the top line to who the 13th forward is going to be and, and whether they'll carry eight defensemen all that fun stuff 
predictions, successes, failures, what to expect from Blash Hill, what to expect from Zadina, what to expect from uh, Larkin, all that fun stuff. So before we get into that, uh, a couple housekeeping things. There is currently a giveaway going on, our preseason giveaway, um, our pre-home opener giveaway. So on Twitter, if you go check out the Winged Wheel, at Winged Wheel Pod, give us a follow. Uh, you'll see the tweet. It'll explain how you can win two tickets to the Detroit Red Wings home opener on Thursday. Uh, so we're going to be giving away two tickets uh, to uh, people who enter. You can enter on Twitter. Patreon supporters, you're actually automatically entered into that once. And if you retweet and do all the stuff that the, twi- uh, that the tweet says, you're entered again. And here's the kicker. We're giving away two tickets to the general public, and we're going to give away two additional tickets to Patreon supporters. So patrons, you have three chances to win two tickets to the home opener. Uh, and everyone else, uh, obviously, you have an opportunity to win those two. So four tickets in total to the home opener, something that we're excited to do. Um, yeah. There is more news coming on the November 13th WWP night at the LCA. Uh, stay tuned. Um, there, the link to buy tickets are in the bio. We are down to very few left. So if you want, if you want some, be sure to get in soon. Um, link in the bio of this episode and Thursday home opener. What will we be doing? We're going to be live streaming. Watch along with us on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast, and we'll be recording the episode right after to put out late Thursday night. So should I buy my 85-inch TV this week or wait? Uh, are you mounting it above the hot tub? No, unfortunately, it has to go inside. Oh, that was a literal statement. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> when the class war eventually breaks out, the first casualty will be you at the hands of Brad. I yeah, think you, so. A thousand percent. <laughs> I'm going to be the one that's starting it. I'm just going to be on the sidewalk, cross-legged, sitting there with the purge horn playing in the background. <laughs> Cat, Catherine, arms crossed in the front window. Evan, it's time. <laughs> yeah. I'll just be mouthing that one Shawn Michaels video where it's like, I'm sorry, I love you, and then kick him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, before we start into the season preview, one last note. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is an organization we are very proud to partner with. The more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative, and it was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels and Jamie's mother Lisa Daniels Goldman. The foundation strives to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. Okay, um, the Detroit Red Wings are currently making their roster decisions, and one piece of news came out uh, just before we started this episode. I'm very happy we chose to delay an hour for recording, so we were able to work that one in pretty comfortably. Um, Bobby Ryan released from his professional trial with the Detroit Red Wings. So his PTO is over despite how well he played. This is a jam packed lineup and he has been, um, released from the team. So this has been a, not, I don't don't know if polarizing is the right word. It's definitely an emotional reaction from the Red Wings fan base. What are your first takes on this? Mixed, um, there's a lot to digest here. On the one hand, if we look at this just from a, Take the person Bobby Ryan out of this. This is the exact type of thing that the old garden Detroit would have never considered. All right. We got a lot of young guys coming through. We didn't resign a lot of the old guys. So we have to keep this old guy to meet some sort of fictional quota. That didn't happen. 
So that that's a bit of fresh air. Um, the other positive is what it looks like is that Bobby Ryan got released to keep a spot open in the top six for Lucas Raymond, which is a net positive. So mm-hmm. if, if that is the sacrifice that had to be made to get Lucas Raymond a top six role opening day with the Detroit Red Wings, then it had to be done. And that's a good thing. The counter argument to me is there's four or five other players I would have cut on this team before releasing Bobby Ryan. I mean, I'm nitpicking. Obviously, I know what Bobby Ryan is at this point in his career. He would have to play the Thomas Vanek role, play on the third line, sheltered minutes, get a lot of inflated numbers on the power play. But that's fine. The power play needs help. And outside of Lucas Raymond, Bobby Ryan might have been the best at it on this team, honestly. Um, so... Would I have preferred to keep Bobby Ryan over Sam Gagne, Carter Rowney, even maybe Vladimir Mesnikov? Yeah, probably. If Bobby Ryan wasn't such a good person that you were rooting for, would I care about this at all? Probably not. It's just because it is Bobby Ryan because he does bring an element the Red Wings lack and you just you root for the guy. But uh, pragmatically, yeah, this doesn't really matter all that much. Yeah, I mean, rooting for the guy, probably one of the most liked players in the league. What he's been through and how he's been able to come back from it, obviously. He has fans across the NHL. Like, between him and Sam Gagne, the Red Wings are arguably, just between those two players, (laughs) one of the most likable teams in the NHL. But you're right, Brad. I think what this does boil down to is it's a tough decision that, the team had to make and be honest with themselves with it would have been easy and honestly justifiable for them to work him in somehow. I know we've done a lot of talking about Lucas Raymond and like he has to make the team and, and we think he will. And and we'll talk about that in a minute here. Um, If his spot came at the expense of Lucas Raymond, I wouldn't have liked it. And I would only want to say I would have understood it, but I almost would have understood it. If that makes sense. Like Lucas Raymond, Going down would be silly in my mind, at least, you know, permanently hard from the start because he's good enough to be in the NHL right now, obviously. But there are tangible benefits. And Bobby Ryan is a good player, but not so good to to bump out of Lucas Raymond. It's a big gray area for me. Where I think I where I would have preferred to have kept him is the Carter Rowney, the even Sam Gagne. I'm not so sure about Vlad and Mestikov, whatever it might be. And who knows? Maybe he doesn't get signed anywhere. Uh, there's another big injury, and then they pick him up to fill those spots. I don't know. But like you said, Brad, pragmatic, and it's a tough decision, but the one one that they probably, I think, had to make. So I would have loved to have seen it work out. It didn't. This is a good problem to have. Isn't the right way to label it, but you're doing things well when a guy like Bobby Ryan is getting bumped out of your team. Yeah, I mean, Bobby Ryan's not a big needle mover, but you like the guy for who he is, and he's done a bunch of stuff in the NHL for the young guys to learn from. So it's like, does Sam Gagne or Bobby Ryan really move the needle that much? Maybe not so much, but, you know, you keep Bobby Ryan around and he produces somewhat. Like, he could be an interesting piece at the trade deadline for anything. That's if he stays healthy long enough to make it there. But I imagine a team will pick him up after some sort of early season injury to mm-hmm. one of their depth players if they can afford the to make the contract work um, in terms of 
prospects and, and the waiver wire. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's sad to see him go because he was so committed emotionally to the red to Detroit and the Red Wings. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think there's anything to really be too upset about. So Bobby Ryan's gone. That does answer quite a lot of quite a few questions. I know people were were wondering about Lucas Raymond lines in practice. The first two lines seemed pretty set. We had the uh, Larkin Bertuzzi Raymond line, and I think the only major difference there is we were used to seeing Larkin uh, Raymond Zadina while Bertuzzi was still coming back from his back injury and getting up to speed. Uh, but it looks like Larkin Bertuzzi and Raymond are skating together, and by all rights, at least for the first nine games of the season, it looks like Raymond has made it. Um, and then the Suter Fabry Zadina line. So Zadina gets bumped down to that second line, but that's still a very capable line. It's not like Red Wings have passed where Zadina has, you know, Franz Nielsen and Justin Abdelkader to play with. Um, and those seem pretty set. And then you have, you know, six, eight other forwards who are competing for those spots. Rasmussen, Ernie, and Gagne. Stevens, um, who has earned his spot on this team and will be one of the guys making it in all likelihood. Uh, Rowney, Valeno, who's skating on that wing as of today's practice, and then Smith and Nemesnikov as the extras. So let's talk about the forwards here. What's going to happen? Because, you know, they have to get down to 13 forwards to submit a 23-man roster by 5 p.m. Um, but it doesn't mean that anyone assigned to the minors or anything won't be called up for Thursday. It's kind of just paper moves almost for the CBA. Yeah, um, I know the Red Wings have already been on record saying they're keeping eight defensemen. I'm given the emergence of Lucas Raymond and Joe Valeno and and how strong they were in the preseason. I'm not sure that's the right call anymore. Um, don't think it's a huge deal if it isn't. Plus, I think Ernie and Rasmussen are a little banged up at the moment, so that might. I think if one of them ends up on IR, that solves the problem anyway, and we've got a pretty clear picture of what this roster looks like. I don't know. Um, I do, we know Blashill. These are the lineups this morning. They probably won't look like this come Saturday in some variation, whether it's the top six. Unlikely the bottom six probably going to look completely different. I'm more, I mentioned it before. I'm way more optimistic about this forward group than I was last year. No Glendenning, no Helm, no Philpla, no Nielsen. The, the phrase you've used over and over again, which is very apt here, is the rot is gone. I'm not saying this team's good. No, this team is probably going to get their teeth kicked in Thursday night by the lightning, but <laughs> it, it, this, we can actually then phrase that as, Hey, this is a good learning experience for these guys because. Smith and Rasmussen and, you know, even a guy like Stevens, they're not going to be able to be sheltered here. Welcome to the NHL. Play, adapt, yeah. learn. Um, and everybody that's on this roster for the first time in th- that I can honestly say in, God, the entire time covering this podcast are all probably legitimately NHL players. They're not upper tier NHL players, hence why the Red Wings are still going to be probably a lottery team this year, but they're all NHL players. We're not parading out the corpse of Franz Nielsen night after night anymore or the shell of Valtteri Philpola. It's like, no, no, these guys are all capable. How good are they? Well, we don't know. And that's kind of the exciting part. We don't know. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters or stars, but we don't know how good Michael Rasmussen can be. I have him pegged as a future fourth liner, but he could outperform that still. He's still young enough. There's growth room. Same with Giovanni Smith. Same with Mitchell Stevens. They are still, they are all young enough. They can outperform that. Joe Valeno had a fantastic preseason. Who knows what he could turn into with some regular playing time this year? 
Um, and if he goes back to the HL and dominates, who knows what that could do for his confidence. There's not really a, a losing scenario there. So yeah, it's going to be bad, but it's going to be bad in a different way, in a almost exciting way because they they won't all be failures. There will be some, some of these guys are absolutely going to underperform. That's how hockey works. That's how odds work. They're not all going to come in and kick down the door, but usually one or two of them do. And I'm excited to see who that's going to be. So let's talk about the lines that we do know about first uh, before we get into, you know, who might move and, and whatnot. Um, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Raymond, you know, Larkin's Larkin. That's, that's the easiest given on this team. Um, Raymond's going to get his own time here, but I want to talk about Tyler Bertuzzi on that top, on that top line. I think he's going to take a little bit of time to get up to speed. And, and for someone who is out for as long as he was with as brutal as a recovery process as he had from his attempted recovery and now recovery from major back surgery, um, you know, that that's going to take a little while. I think we are going to see as much aggressive top line Tyler Bertuzzi. And he, he was the Red Wings first line winger before this. And I just want to acknowledge that. But we're going to see as much of that as humanly possible and I think that's because they have to make sure that they know what they have in him because he is the Red Wings most likely candidate for a trade in my mind outside of maybe like a Nick Letty moving at the deadline. Most likely trade candidate with some real value. Yes. (laughs) Maybe. And, you know, he's in a peculiar situation. I know people get angry when I mention this, but there have been two difficult contract situations with Tyler Bertuzzi and not to say Eisman's a hard ass and he, he hates when anyone argues with him or anything like that, but that's, it raises some very fair question marks in terms of how he fits in uh, with Eisman, like buying into Eisman's plan for this team and, and what Eisman wants to do contract wise, as opposed to what Bertuzzi wants to do. If that doesn't fit after a certain point, because we're getting into UFA years soon, he may well be moved. Um, and again, this whole, you know, not being able to play in Canada as of right now situation. I, I think I think every time we talk about it, someone calls me a fascist and it's like, hey, I actually believe it or not, I, I don't influence international policy. So we can only comment on it, not decide what it is. <laughs> I don't know if there's that misconception yet. Here. Yet. Yeah. Wait, who knows where this we're, podcast will go? We're not saying we're not trying. We're just saying <laughs> we're not there yet. Um, but again, like you're going to have to if if. You're thinking I might someday have to move a Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, you need him to be showcased for as valuable as possible because as of right now, there is a big old, um, you know, cement block attached to his trade value, which is he can't play in Canada at the moment. So, I mean, it's a bold prediction. We were joking with Max. It's a bold prediction to assume any Canadian teams are going to be a factor in the playoffs. But um, just pragmatically speaking, I think we're going to see for the most part, Tyler Bertuzzi up there. That's not a revelation. Tyler Bertuzzi is good enough to be on the first line. I'm just saying like that, that's something that I would keep an eye on for people who think that Tyler Bertuzzi might be moved at any point. Your thoughts on the top line? Uh, but what I expected, not exactly what I would have done, but I don't care enough to nitpick at this point in the season. Um, I only saw the one preseason game Bertuzzi played and, and to be blunt, he was awful, but it was his first game and, 10 months so it was exactly to be expected and i'd be I'm, concerned if he was good yeah so it's like it's fine um it is going to take him a few weeks to get up to speed because he looked nothing like what tyler bertuzzi usually looks like um and that's fine that's normal the only reason i i have some concerns with bertuzzi on that line is 
I don't think he's at the point in his recovery he's going to be able to keep up with Larkin and Raymond, and that's going to hinder Larkin and Raymond. Um, Lucas Raymond's in a more precarious spot right now than Bertuzzi because he's, yeah, Bertuzzi's coming back from a major injury, but Lucas Raymond's never played at this level before. So it's all brand new to him. So this roster should be built around giving Lucas Raymond every opportunity to succeed. And as he is right now, Tyler Bertuzzi's probably not the best guy to have on the opposite wing. Now, I'm not saying he won't be that guy in three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. Who knows how long it'll take him. Um, but Raymond might only have nine games. Yeah. So that that's my only concern. It's nitpicking. Other than that, this makes a ton of sense. I'd prefer at this point to see Zadina there. Don't care that much. Not worth the gripe. It's fine. So Suter, Fabry, Zadina, I think. Does that pull pressure away from Zadina? I think it puts more on him. Yeah. Actually. Um Suter and Fabry are good, don't get me wrong, but they don't have the expectations Zadina does. Zadina's the best player on that line, so he's going to be expected to... Should be the best player on the line. exactly. So he's probably expected to lead that line, produce that line, drive that line. And I'm probably the biggest Philip Zadina apologist in the world, but I don't think he's there yet in in his development. And for the home games, they're probably going to try and get a matchup, which means... They're not going to get easy assignments either. So they are going to be playing other teams' top lines and top pairs. And let's be honest, it's a significant upgrade on last year's second line, but it's still a below average NHL second line. So Zadina is in a situation this year he's expected to produce. We we know how strong his defensive game was last year. We know how strong his transition game was last year. We know his playmaking took a huge step forward that we weren't expecting last year. Okay, well, he's got a score now. That's why he was drafted. And uh, I don't think he's in the best situation to do it right now, but he's certainly been in worse situations than this. So I'm not going to say it takes uh, pressure off because like, I think I think there's a bit more pressure on him and, and not giving him Larkin to work with just makes it that much more difficult. I just wanted to comment that I love how much energy and time we're putting into this the line conversation, which... The lines will last all of half a period at the <laughs> yeah, absolute yeah. best. The, the, <laughs> the six- conversation is like 30 times longer than how long the lines will actually last. Yeah, <laughs> it's fair. I act- <laughs> they, these, they won't even be the starting lineup. Like uh, that's how long it's going to last. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna get the news like with two minutes left in the episode. Uh, Detroit Red Wings have sent Lucas Raymond to Grand Rapids. Like, okay, well, yeah. Adam Scrap this episode. Start the season. Back it in, folks. I... I actually, and this is because um, I like to frame myself as like a tough, stoic dude, but I'm a softy and I actually have hope and some belief that the lines, the top two lines and the defensive pairings might actually stay a little bit more static this year. <laughs> I do. I oh, think it, ah, I know oh. it, it's the it, only, you only, the only saving grace you have on that one is that the top six forwards are so obviously late years ahead of yeah. the bottom six, which has not been the case in previous years. There's always been that like, Oh yeah, we have these four guys or these five guys, but who else is going to, it's like, no, these are the six. I cannot wait for Adam Ernie to go on like a five game heater and he's just, bolt on top six forward the rest of the year oh, don't, i don't want adam ernie to be the new darren helm i like adam ernie, <laughs> adam ernie here's the thing adam ernie and mitchell stevens are the new like helm and glendenning but younger and better like they're what <laughs> yeah they're what we wanted helm and glendenning to be five what like five years ago 
Um, and so I hope we don't make, th- I hope the Red Wings don't do the same thing that they did to Helm and Glendening, who are good guys and played their roles well, but then all of a sudden they're playing top line minutes and they're catching heat from everyone. And it's like, well, it's not their fault. It's coaching staff put them there. Um, I think, I think Pew Suter is a story that's a little bit lost in the shuffle this, this preseason because obviously everyone's looking at Lucas Raymond, Moritz Sider, Joe Valeno, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Pew Suter, I, I don't think it can be overstated how big of a difference it is to have an NHL capable second line center there. Again, we'll see how the year shakes out, but you know, who did we have before? It was Val Philpola who understood that he probably shouldn't be a second line center, but there was no one else there. He was a warm body and Eisman almost said exactly that. So having an NHL capable, is it an above average second line center? No, but it's very serviceable. You look at that and you're like, okay, that is not insane to see. And so what that does for Robbie Fabry, what that does for Philip Zadina, what that does for whoever might end up on that second line, that's crucial. And it really should open things up for Larkin as well. Like imagine uh, Fabry, Suter, and Zadina click. Then if you're game planning against the Red Wings, you're not just shutting down the Larkin line immediately. So that opens up the top line a bit more. So that's the biggest change that the Red Wings have this year is their second line. And I, I think that's hopefully going to be born of, of the, the, the play of Pew Suter compared to his predecessors. The defense are the easiest uh, things to talk about this year. We predicted it, I think, the moment Nick Letty was traded for. DeKaiser Aronic for now until I think I, – I honestly think DeKaiser is going to tumble down the order. Yeah, because that might be – if that's uh, the top pairing, that's the worst top pairing in the NHL, but that's okay. Uh, Letty Sider, which – Is an above-average second pairing. Um, and then – Which know, is probably – should be the first pairing, but I don't know if they'll do that with a rookie. And then the, the bottom four are some combination of Stahl, Stetcher, Osterley, and Lindstrom. I know it's Stahl, Stetcher usually, usually but uh, Stahl was skating with Lindstrom today in practice, so we'll see how that one shakes out. Don't like that. Um Here's the thing, Danny DeKaiser, we've talked a lot about his his fall off in terms of his play, um, but a lot of it has been coming back from some pretty shitty injuries. Like he's had a, a raw deal to work with. And that's not to excuse and say, oh, but he'll he'll get back to his previous form. I'm wondering if it's actually I'm not wondering. I'm I'm predicting that it's going to be really hard for him to get back to anywhere near that level. There was a flash before his latest injury. Was it his knee or his back more recently? Sure. Hip. Yeah, something in between. The, oh, yeah. no, not the crucial body parts. No. <laughs> his pinky toe. Um, the poor guy. And he was actually having, like, he had a good start to the season. It was like five or ten games and got that injury. And I just, I don't know. I don't know if he'll he'll have it to come back and, and play the kind of minutes that Heronic's going to need to play. So that left side's looking weak. But other than that, that defense is pretty set until something changes. Yeah, we'll probably see that bottom pairing rotating a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't think we should get married to anything that, that happens there. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, Ciders looked good. Letty's looked great. Heronix looked better. DeKaiser looked a step behind, but that's exactly how he looked last year. Like he was trying to make the right play every time and just couldn't. Um, and then, yeah, the bottom pairing will be whatever. So. The Red Wings were a league average defensive team last year, and they've upgraded their defense significantly uh, with Letty and Sider. So 
I expect that to be the benchmark for this year. I If they can defensively stay middle of the pack, but then all of a sudden the defense can chip in a little more offensively, that would be a hell of a re- revelation for this team. And, you know, Letty's an offensive guy. Sider scored in the preseason and can move the puck. Hironic still has that bomb. Um, Stetcher can really move the puck. Stahl has flashes somehow still. Um, Kaiser's of you know marvel of modern science, half man, half machine. Honestly, <laughs> he's a character from Archer at this point. Yeah, yeah. So you can't look at this, and then you know Lindstrom and Osterley are more than capable guys to step in the lineup for uh, injuries. This is the best going into the season. The best defensive grouping the Red Wings have had probably since Lindstrom retired. So that's, that's not good. No, no. <laughs> how many? That, that but was, that's, how that, long ago was that? <laughs> nine years. So you can't hold on, hold on. There's two ways to look at this. We can look at this the glass half empty, like going, this mediocre defense is the best defense we've had in nine years, or this is the best defense we've had in nine years. <laughs> well, the one thing we can say is the glass is filling up rather than being. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not like previous years, where is the glass half full or half empty? Take a sip. Oh, it's piss. <laughs> 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 who are we looking at as the two the Red Wings two you know quote unquote worst players? Previous years you were talking about guys where that was a full episode. Yeah, <laughs> Franz Nielsen was playing further up the lineup than you would have wanted him to, and he just signed in the DEL. I, like, uh, let me just say, congrats to Franz. I always love to see guys who want to keep playing find a spot in other leagues. That's awesome for him. And this is not a personal attack, but by God, think of that transition. He was playing at the, an NHL level, and then. The best he could do is the DEL. And that's just where he is in his career. This year, there it's like what Carter Rowney and uh, uh Osterley are probably the Red Wings two, you know, worst players, and they're both ostensibly right. NHL guys. Yeah. Are they you know, how will they perform? Will they be close to replacement level? I don't know, but you don't your heart doesn't hurt seeing them out there. <laughs> and that's that's the big change. So, yeah, when we talk to people who aren't Red Wings fans, they're like, that's pathetic that you're saying the that. The groans per 60 will decrease. Well, yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was talking to someone at work about this the other day. They're like, you excited about the Red Wings season? And I said, yeah, kind of. He's like, why? <laughs> and I'm like, listen, you do not have the amount of time in your day for me to explain to you why I'm optimistic about a team that's probably going to finish sixth or seventh <laughs> in the division. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um so those are those are the Red Wings lineups or lines and pairings that we know more or less uh, a good amount about. Like Brad said that bottom four is going to shuffle around a little bit. We talked about the top two um uh, Red Wings forward lines. And then let's talk about the following eight players. Ernie Rasmussen, Gagne, Rowney, Stevens, Valeno, Smith, and Mesnikov. Uh, safe to say Ernie Rasmussen definitely have spots. I think Stevens has a spot. I think the only player that that's not that's um not waiver eligible as Valeno. So if there's no injuries, I think we can safely assume he's probably going down just exactly. Yeah. Because he's the only one who can not saying he should. I'm like, I'm of the mind. He very obviously earned a spot in preseason. Um, He's an NHL player. I'm not that upset if he goes down to the AHL, because again, he's not far enough in his development where I, I see that as a huge detriment to him, Mm -hmm. but I also see him getting more valuable reps in the NHL. I, I would, personally like to deploy him on the third line get him get him a little bit more of a sheltered role get him some minutes um and again like if we lose have to put carter rowney on waivers or lose carter rowney to get valeno ice time it's a sacrifice i'm willing to make or sam gagne or whoever yeah whoever there's there's a ton of replace like replacement level players even though they're legitimate nhlers now 
But we we know how this organization operates and it's fine and I'm not going to be that upset about it. But beyond Valeno, there is almost nobody in this bottom six that I really care about. So play whoever. And what's that old saying? Let the cream rise to the top. Just give the minutes to whoever's playing best. I really don't care who. There's not so many old guys here that we we can justify like keeping a young guy down. There's they're almost all younger players except for Gagne and Rowney. So who cares? Um you called it pre-show, Barre Boulet to Seattle. Yeah, I knew he would not make yeah. it to Detroit. Yeah. And then that's again, we I think I tweeted this. I almost never anymore predict any kind of waiver pickups because it just doesn't happen. It makes sense for Seattle to pick up a Barre Boulet. Um for those who don't know, he's a very good player. He's probably too good to be on waivers. And if you ever are attached to the Red Wings, like, you know, 12th, 13th forwards, remember that this is what good teams actually have to deal with is waving guys like Barre Boulay. Who are good. Yes. Yeah. And Eiserman signed him. Like, Eiserman's the one who brought him to the NHL. So, so point per game guy in the AHL. He was a worthwhile gamble that I would bet the Red Wings had a claim in on, and he just didn't make it to him. Yeah. And I think they're Seattle as what, what probably first in that waiver order. I actually don't have it in front of me. Third, I believe. Um, if it go, I think it just goes by the draft order. I could be wrong though. Um, whatever it is, if it wasn't Seattle, it probably would have been someone else. Like there's, it, it, he wouldn't have fallen to Detroit. So you said something, Brad, let the cream rise to the top. And I think that makes sense. But I actually do care about this bottom six for the first time in a long time. First of all, I'm excited by Mitchell Stevens in a way where I'm I'm getting flashes back to the Darren Helm and the Luke Glendening era where their their bodies were more cooperative with the, the style of game that they play. And so he was really good in the preseason. He earned his spot. And he earned his spot in the face of guys like, um, you know, Carter Rowney, who came in in the same situation, Sam Gagne, you know, Nemesnikov and Smith. I, I think, unless something drastic changes, Stevens is going to be there in all likelihood. And Ernie looks like, yeah, at least in the preseason, he's continuing to do some of the things that he did last year that made it a, you know, quote unquote, breakout year for him. And Michael Rasmussen is going to be, Michael Rasmussen's game and play this year is going to dictate a lot of where he ends up. Like you said, Brad, you expect him to be a fourth liner, but I also think it can do Valeno a favor. What have we talked about? Valeno has a better chance of coming to this league as a winger to start because it's very hard to play center in the NHL. You come in as a winger and you have time to learn and, and kind of grow into the role before you flip over to center. And if Michael Rasmussen can hold his own as third line center, then they have the space and breathing room to do that and give Valeno a little bit of a sheltered entry into the league. Um, yeah, those are just, that's my take on it. So it, is it exciting if you're coming in as a Tampa Bay Lightning fan? No, this is a pitiful bottom six. <laughs> but for us, I think this is a, it's a big step from what the Red Wings have had in the past. It's all guys that could have more than two years left with this team outside of maybe Gagne and Rowney because everybody else is under 30. And a lot of these guys are under 26, which is a whole new world versus what we're used to seeing in the in the bottom six. And I know I've been beating that to death over the last month, but it's not insignificant. The Red Wings are in a rebuild and we're consistently one of the oldest teams in the NHL, which is exactly where you don't want to be and absolutely shouldn't be in a rebuild. So this is the first true year of, all right, that's done. It's time to improve. It's time to find out what we have. Can Giovanni Smith play a regular role? Can Michael Rasmussen play a regular role? Can Mitchell Stevens, Joe Valeno, 
yada, yada, yada. Can Adam Ernie repeat his success, right? Like I said, outside of Rowney and Gagne, I don't, I'm not attached to any single player because they're all young enough that if they succeed, great, give them the ice time. It's not like I'm going to be sitting here and going, great, I'm so happy Glenn Denning and Darren Helm are playing 18 minutes a night while Giovanni Smith plays six. Yeah. That can't happen this year. There's not enough old guys in the bottom six for that to happen this year. So it's, again, I, I'll repeat it. I don't care if it's Smith, Rasmussen, Valeno, Ernie, Stevens. At least three of these guys are going to get a decent amount of ice time every night. So give it to who earns it. You guys want a ridiculous interlude? I'm watching the waivers roll in right now. I'm on Elliot Friedman's timeline and his banner or his uh, banner on his Twitter uh, profile. It's a banner that I thought said no Bitcoin or wine and beyond, beyond this point, but it's no bitching or wine and beyond this point. For a second, I was like, why does he hate crypto so much? <laughs> Who has that? Is it Friedman? Fried. Yeah, he has no bitching or whining beyond this point. I just misread it because I can't read. Oh. I'm a hockey meathead. One thing I was looking up while you guys were talking was uh, Michael Rasmussen is eight months older than Joe Valeno. Does time make any sense at all? No, absolutely not. No. It was uh, where, or I'm the same age as Mika Zibinijad. I don't even know how old he is. I don't know how old I am. Me neither. <laughs> I actually think you don't know how old I am. No, our birthdays are all three years spaced. Oh, are they? Yeah. Well, it's like three, three, and a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. I'm three weeks older than Sidney Crosby. Oh, my God. You're ancient. I think Sidney Crosby's a broken man. (laughs) Um, Giovanni Smith. I I think, you know, Smith and Nemesnikov were skating as the extras today. We don't know what the injuries are. Ernie is dealing with something nagging. Rasmussen is, is dealing with something nagging. Um. I don't know how this is going to shake out, but it looks like Smith is going to, in my mind, probably be that 12th, 13th guy most nights. Which is fine. It's very fit. I mean, I don't hate Giovanni Smith, but I, I don't, I'm not one of these big Giovanni Smith hype wagon guys that a lot of the fan base is. Like, I, I love the guy for all That's the, been me in the past. <laughs> yeah. I love all the, like, intangibles and extras the guy brings. And I, I, he absolutely needs to be in the lineup the first game against Dallas. But I mean, I, I don't think he's anything more than a fourth line guy. So if he rotates in and out of the fourth line and and guys are playing better than him, get the ice time, great, fine. But if Giovanni Smith outperforms expectation, fantastic. He won't be the 12th, 13th forward for long. That's the luxury this year, right? Yeah. Smith just needs to go in, play his role, throw his body around, play sound defense, and chip in offensively every once in a while. If he can do that, he will see ice time very regularly. If he can't, He's not going to last long in this league. This is his make or break year. He'll probably be back next year no matter how how much he does, but his expectations will be so low at this point, they'll already be looking for his replacement if they don't find it immediately. So, yeah, it's it's a big year for him. He's, what, 25 now? Put up or shut up. And if he's go the nights he gets in the lineup, do something. Make him. He's got to make himself noticeable. To this point in his career, he hasn't done that that often. And... God, it feels weird because like last year I was banging the table to get him in the lineup over guys like Helm, Glenn Denning, Phil Pluff, Nielsen. But there isn't a guy like that that I'm saying he has to take this guy's spot. Yeah. So he has to just take anybody's spot. So you mentioned Joe Valeno, Brad, and, and you were talking that due to waiver eligibility, like he's waiver exempt, which means he can be sent down, doesn't have to pass through waivers. Unlike, you know, Giovanni Smith, who... Might be fringe on this team. A lot of other teams are going to like what Giovanni Smith has to, has to, or, you know, brings to the table and they'll want him as well. So he's a risk. 
Joe Valeno can be passed down, no, no problem. Um, Jonathan Bergeron's in the AHL, so you're gonna want him, a you know, future Red Wing center to play with because Jonathan Bergeron's gonna factor into this rebuild, hopefully. Um, I think Lucas Raymond very obviously played his way onto this team. I think Joe Valeno at times looked very good, and I think it would be justifiable to give him to the spot. But for me, in my mind, it's not. Joe Valeno absolutely has to make this team based on how he played. The justifications I gave to possibly sending Lucas Raymond down, I think, exist in a way more amplified way for Joe Valeno. So I think it's understandable that if it shakes out this way, he's down in AHL at least to start and just kind of gets brought up as injuries dictate. Yeah, that's likely what's going to happen. Um, I've noticed around Red Wings social media and Twitterverse, whatever you want to call it, that there's become this narrative that's almost been brought down from the coaching staff that, and even the organization from previous administrations that the fan base has latched onto, which I've always hated and I, and I still find it's there, which is Joe Valeno didn't dominate every game in the preseason. So X, Y, and Z, right? There wasn't a single Red Wing who did that this preseason. Raymond had a couple quiet nights. Larkin had a couple quiet nights. Bertuzzi didn't play well. Like, Valeno was more a con- uh, more consistent performer than over half the forwards on this roster, um, veterans and rookies included. So, yeah, he, he didn't dominate every night. He wasn't the best player every night. But there was one game he was definitively the best forward and a couple more games where he was in the upper tier of quality of forwards for those games. So, for a rookie to be doing that in any other – any normal circumstance, yeah, that's – congrats, man. You've, you've earned – a roster spot you've done enough to make the team the waiver eligibility throws a wrench into that and the fact that he wasn't putting up gaudy offensive numbers do tend to be like yeah okay let's get him in the hl maybe we can bring his offense around and, and help that there's so i'm not saying that i don't think he should or shouldn't be sent down to the minors for development reasons but if we're just looking at this black and white performance factoring into this roster no Valeno should be on the roster there's no justification he's not he outplayed half the forwards on this team in preseason and in camp. If they come out and say, yeah, we like what Joe brought. We we want to see him get his confidence up. We want to see him dominate a little bit more on the score sheet. We want We need Bergen to have someone to play with. Sure. No arguments here. I am not going to argue it a bit. I understand it and get it fully. But if they say, oh, yeah, he just didn't do enough to earn a spot. Bullshit. That's It's bullshit. It's not true. It's Anybody with eyes could tell that's not true. Is it bullshit, Evan? Yes. Oh, okay. You're big on uh, Valeno making the team too. I'm not saying he should make the team. I'm saying it's the whatever justification they get is here. Is did he earn a spot? Absolutely. Can you justify sending him down for development reasons? Also, absolutely. So it depends what they say. Because again, I'm not married to him being on this roster or not. But if they come out and say he didn't do enough to earn a spot, it's garbage. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess it do- uh, it does depend on the reasoning, like which they won't ever outright. Say. No, 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 God no. But do you really want Joe Valeno playing fourth line minutes if that's where they think the chips or the pl- the what the depth looks like? I think at some point Joe Valeno is going to play fourth line minutes because well, in Detroit that typically means like you're playing more than the second line. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it might actually be <laughs> worth it. It's uh, he's a slow burner, right? And he takes time to get accustomed, but um, that's normal. Like he he has a very Valeno is a good good reminder that this is what good NHL prospects who 
develop at a normal pace look like? Like, I mean, Lucas Raymond has been fun and he's been Detroit's first instance of fun and atypical in a long time. Like a prospect coming into camp and kicking the door in and saying, I'm staying. Yeah. Not everyone's Tim Stutzla. Actually, almost nobody has the Tim Stutzla effect. Lucas Raymond might be. Yeah, no, yes. <laughs> but that's what people think. They're like, oh, Valeno, it takes so long. Is it a bust? And it's like, no, you can see, like, you, eh, the NHL is, is, um, the way it moves and the way it grows and the way players develop. Sometimes it happens so slowly. It's like boiling a frog in water. It's like you don't notice it's happening until it's the, one day you're looking, you're like, oh, he's a mainstay of the roster and he's all of a sudden good in the second line. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, Brad. I, I think it all depends on the justification, but the crux of that is that we're never going to get we'll it. We'll never, uh, we'll absolutely never know. Um, Ernie Rasmussen Nemesnikov, in my mind, is going to be that third line, maybe, with Rowney, Stevens, and Gagne. Quite possibly. I don't know. It, it's going to shuffle around a lot. I think. They're going to try to keep Rasmussen on that third line as much as they can. If he does have to flip to the wing, I can see Nemesnikov stepping into that um, third line center role. I see Smith as the 13th guy. Yep. S- Smith and or Rowney, depending on who's hot, who's not. Additionally, um, there are going to be injuries. We don't know. This is Monday. In three days, we don't know where Ernie will be at. We don't know where Rasmussen will be at with, with injuries. Maybe someone gets hurt in practice. Maybe two people get hurt and Valeno stays up to start it's there's a, there's a lot of up and down i think for right now what you can say confidently is valeno is the first call up and he will see games this year depending on injuries unless the red wings all of a sudden aren't injured which isn't the case because we haven't even mentioned that verona's out for four months so um there's uncertainty here but we kind of have a picture of what the red wings are going to look like yeah it's it's reasonably clear i think valeno is the only uncertain thing right now and for the sake of not repeating myself a thousand times, thank God it looks different. Yeah. Okay. So those are our more or less predicted lines, unless you guys want to predict third and fourth lines. No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, let's talk about expectations. For the Red Wings overall, in your mind, what are your predictions for points and standings like in the league and in their division? And I know we did a little bit of that in our Atlantic preview. Um, but what in your mind are the Red Wings going to do this year? Um. Unfortunately, I think a lot of it's going to predicate on what we get out of Alex Nedeljkovic because he's still a bit of a wild card. And oh, we didn't even talk about the goalies. Yeah, well, we we know where we're at with the goalies. Yeah, it's Nedeljkovic and Grace, and Nedeljkovic is coming off his Calder season. If he repeats that, I expect the Red Wings to probably be in the mid to low eighties for points. Um, if not, they're probably mid seventies in points um, because we know what we're going to get. For the most part, out of the key players on the roster, we we have a really good idea what we're going to get out of the defense. We have a pretty good idea what we're going to get out of the top six forwards. The bottom six is a bit of a mess, but I you can't tell me that it's worse than last year. So yeah, if uh, we get Jonathan Bernie levels of goaltending, I do expect the Red Wings to take a step forward. Um, I think they're going to probably hover like realistically, it's probably going to land somewhere in between, so probably somewhere around eighty points, high seventies, low eighties without any injuries to key players. If Larkin goes down, if Bertuzzi goes down, if Nedeljkovic or Letty go to it's all going to hell in a hurry. There's not enough depth here to make up for it. Like we said, it's very, very nice to have a NHL caliber top six now. 
But there is literally only six of them. There is not one guy who can capably step in there and, and replace whatever guy they're stepping in for. Unless Adam Ernie happens to get into another heater, which is, I don't think, repeatable. But if it is, fantastic. Um, same with the defense. I don't if, – if Letty or Hronik or Sider go down, there's already a hole there with wherever DeKaiser is playing. So if another one of them goes down, you have one usable pairing. So it's unfortunately a lot of hopes and prayers, but hey – if they do stay healthy, this should be a much better team. I think I don't agree that it's going to fall on Nadelkovic for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, I think anybody who's expecting the Calder nomination level numbers are in for a surprise because I'm not expecting that. No defense accounts for a lot of what a goalie can do. Remember, Grice had an adjustment period when he came to Detroit. You know, he came from Barry Trotz's New York Islanders to these Detroit Red Wings. Um, also, the level of goaltending that the Red Wings have gotten from Jonathan Burney over the past couple of years has been above and beyond what they could ever expect from a goalie. So a good Nedeljkovic season looks like the same seasons we were getting from Jonathan Burney, right? So um, well, the thing is, Burney was a vet. We knew what we were getting with Burney. Nedeljkovic is still a bit of an unknown. Yeah, that's he's, true. He's got one because there is a season. There is a reality here that Red Wings fans don't want to admit where Nadelkovic craters. So could happen. It could very well and happen. And that still so. would, in my mind, would not write him off for me for the Red Wings future. No, it wouldn't. He's under a two-year contract, so he literally can't. But <laughs> but yeah, in terms of standing projections, yeah. If Nadelkovic craters, this is a, a mediocre team that is back to being very bad. The Red Wings were on pace for roughly 70 points last year over the course of a full season. I have them at about 76 points. That, that's kind of where I'm putting them. I put them seventh in the division in the Atlantic preview. And I'm going to stick to that. And they'll be, I don't know, 27th in the league. Uh, twenty Anywhere from like 25th to 27th in the league is if I had to put a, a spot on it. The biggest difference makers are going to be this. First of all, Nick Letty and Moritz Sider. That pairing are hopefully going to take a lot of minutes away from Heronic, which takes some pressure off him. Um, the power play. If you go, if you don't go 40 power plays without scoring a goal, you are going to be a better team. Um, and, and we are, we should give some more attention to Cider as well. And we will in a minute here. There are a lot of things, you know, the Red Wings got better addition through by subtraction and just bringing in NHL level players. The things working against them, they're in a tougher division. Other teams around them have gotten better. You know, it's not like Ottawa and Montreal are going to be easy to play against. They're not going to be competing for the cup. Well, we might have said that about Montreal. <laughs> um, they're still going to be tougher to play against, and that's a lot of games against them. Verona's out. You know, Bertuzzi's out for nine games. We know that right now. Um, and you have to stay healthy. Yeah, but those are Canadian teams. That's just leveling the playing field. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> And like you said, Brad, we have to stay healthy. So uh, in my mind, I think that works out to an improvement, but not such a drastic improvement where they're reaching 80 points. The Red Wings are a better team than they were last year, but they're in a better division, mm-hmm. significantly better division. And I think you're going to sort of have to look at these those two things separately from one another. Like, I think this Red Wings team will improve. Like, their power play obviously can't get worse. Um the the players monkey puck no that's not a monkey puck thing that's just like that's testing fate yeah no red wings power play goes to ninth in the league and the power the penalty kill craters to like thirty first <laughs> I mean it, it, the penalty kill could be worse because look at the teams they have to play against like they're obviously 
you think they're going to take more penalties because they're playing higher skilled teams on a regular basis that have much better power plays, better goalies, et cetera, et cetera. I think you got to look at this, the Red Wings team in two lenses. How do they stack up against the division? Well, they're going to be somewhere around six at probably the best. Yeah. Um, in terms of looking at just the Red Wings team as compared to the previous year, I think they're going to be a better team. But, you know, if you just look at the standings at the end of the year, you're going to maybe be like, well, what the hell happened to this team? I, I think they're going to be a mid to low 70s team. You know, they're one injury, another injury away from having in the top six, wondering what the hell are they going to do and who's going to score the goals. Um, I don't think they're going to be close to 80. I think they're going to be like a 74-point team. I have my exact number. I was thinking about it. You said they were on pace for 70 points last year, but they're back in their division, which means they get Montreal four times, which is eight free points. So I'm saying 78 points. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you, you, you were going to be 100% right, and that's the funny part about that. It's going to be 78 points exactly. So, Evan, I think you feed into the next topic here. Um, all of what you said is, you know, people might – interpret that and say but you guys are so optimistic about that team and both those things are true you can be optimistic but also realize that they're going to get walked by the some of the best teams in the league that yeah. play in their yeah, division we, we've been saying that for six months now like yeah. yeah we're going back into the better division so yeah cool now we lose to tampa bay 5-4 instead of 5-1 like so knowing all that what we're saying is success isn't going to be points in the standings for the red wings this year what does success look like? And I think you should let's talk about team wide things and then let's talk about player by player stories. All right. Starting with team wide. Hey, let's get to league average on some things. Uh, the power play was horrific. That can't be repeated. Uh, the five on five goal scoring was horrific. That can't be repeated. The penalty kill was way below average. That can't be repeated. I'm not saying all those things have to be fixed this year, but we better see significant improvements in at least a couple of those areas or else what are we even doing here? There's right. You know what I mean? We're looking at the roster going, yeah, this is a roster that's capable of scoring more goals. We're looking at the Alex Tangay coming in and again, the change in the roster and going, this is a team that should score more goals on the power play. You look at the defense and the upgrades they have. Okay, this is a defense that should be able to transition the puck a lot more effectively. That should be able to skate it out when they need to more effectively than they could last year. And that's almost entirely Sider and Letty, but that's 33% of your defense. So um, I'm looking at stuff like that. Even if they lose a game, if they lose it, like that Chicago game was perfect. If they lose 6-4, but they score four power play goals, there is one area we can point to. Definitive improvement. Fine. I'm okay when we have games like that every once in a while, even if it's a loss. There weren't games like that last year. Yeah. It comes down to basically consistency. Like how many games were there last year where the Red Wings looked, I'll, I'll say, relatively good, and then they take off like a week worth of games. And you're like, what? what where did the team go that we just saw the other night? And I think the roster will be able to provide that. But um, they went a month without scoring a power play. Goal yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's something, it's stuff like, you know, make sure that the shot, the high danger scoring attempts aren't 10 to nothing for Tampa Bay or it's a, the games need to be closer, not only in terms of the score, but in terms of some of the more granular metrics as well. Yeah. In my mind, I think those are the very, like very good team wide points. In my mind, there's two stories on defense that I'm looking at here, which are going to be crucial for the Red Wings to get right. First of all, more at Cider. Um, you know, one of the most exciting prospects 
players not in the NHL, who's now obviously going to make the Red Wings. Um, he had a preseason which left some people wondering, like, is he ready? Like, he didn't look as flashy. He didn't crush anyone. You could tell that he is getting accustomed. And we have said it time and time again, and we will continue to say it time and time again. I don't know if you guys know this, but Evan actually used to play defense. Uh, <laughs> um, former defense and defenseman Evan Lobsinger. That's how the meme goes. The It takes a, quite a bit of time to get attuned to nhl level defense like and i'm not saying like 10 games 20 games i'm talking like a few seasons almost to really get up to speed moritz sider is a young kid he's playing against the strongest toughest fastest most talented hockey players in the world now and he's gonna want to make sure he gets it right and the team wants him to get it right they don't want him going out there you know committing and running guys over left and right and then being out of position they want to get his fundamentals built in because Moritz Sider is here to play defense. And that doesn't mean there's no offensive game, but they need to ease him into it. He needs to ease into it. I think pairing him with Nick Letty is a great start. I think sheltering a little bit of his his assignments where they can is something that they should do. And basically just focus on his development almost more than anyone else on this team. I think a good chunk of... Red Wings fans have forgotten what Moritz Sider is because you see the word, like I see the word exciting thrown around about Mo Sider's game. And that's just fundamentally not true. Um, most of, like nobody in this fan base is watching SHL games, like nor should they. Like nobody's sitting around at 1 p.m. on a Wednesday going, oh, I got to catch Rogla versus Jurgarden today. So all says you. <laughs> All 99% of us see is the highlights where Mo Sider had an assist and there, here's clips of three guys he absolutely demolished. Okay, well, that's like 10 seconds worth of clips from 30 minutes of ice time he had. Mo Sider is a boring defenseman. That is what makes him good. He is a defense-first stay-at-home defender who is a good skater capable of transitioning the puck and capable offensively we have been you have to lead with that part before you open with the boring defense because you're baiting people no no but you know what i mean like i'm turning in style of play yeah like he he is not um you know a kale mccarr he is not an adam fox he is far closer to a ryan Suter than any of those guys like if you're expecting this guy to come in and stand out every shift and blow guys up every shift and walk away with 60 points this season i'm sorry to be the one to tell you you're not thinking of the right guy. Now, I'm not saying if most- he does, I'm buying. I'll, oh, I yeah. don't even know what I'll do. Oh, he's I'll winning do something. If he does that this year, he's winning a Norris this year. Um, I'm not saying most is a bad player. I'm saying in terms of the hype he gets as to how good he is is justified. I just think people have lost sight of why he's good. He's a really good defensive defenseman who can skate. And when a player comes up the ice with his head down, he's going to knock him over. And when he gets the puck, he is very capable of transitioning that puck in a hurry, whether it's with a good pass or with his feet. But don't expect this guy to come in and be on the highlight reel every night. You can He can play 25 minutes. You notice him zero times, and he had a great game. Yeah. He's he, that if type, he, if he, he is light, that type of defenseman. If yeah. he lights up Braden Point the first game, pants are coming off. Oh, on the <laughs> yeah. Turn it off. We're going on to the OnlyFans again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that, first of all, actually, what Evan said is a summary. But what you yeah. said, Brad, is the actual – that's the summary. Like, he can play 25 minutes at night. You don't notice him, and then he had a good game. What did Red Wings fans – what was our biggest gripe with like national recognition of a player back in the Red Wings heyday? It was people didn't realize that Nicholas Lidstrom was one of the greatest defensemen of all time because they didn't notice him because that's what he did to the game. He was so good. 
He was everywhere where he needed to be. He the, his stick work, his positioning, you know, his pass, whatever it is, everything was so perfect that it didn't you didn't even notice it. And that's you know not to say that's the expectation from Moritz Sider, but that is what a good defenseman looks like playing defense, and that is again the most important thing for Moritz Sider. The Red Wings have not had that quality of defense literally since Nicholas Lidstrom left, which is what we mentioned at the start of the episode. Yeah, exactly. The other story for me on defense, and this is going to be one of the biggest indicators as to whether the Red Wings have had a successful season, in my mind, Philip Ronick. They need him to have a good year. They need Philip Ronick to have top four defenseman quality play. Um, they need to bring his minutes down so he's not being grinded night in and night out and just seeing some more favorable matchups. Uh, they need to put him in the right spot on the power play, which it looks like they're going to do. And he needs to find his game. I, he, he wasn't bad all of last year, but he had points, you know, long stretches where it's like, this is not the step that you would have wanted Heronic to take. So in my mind, that is another key story behind Moritz Sider where I want to see that from Phil Peronic. I think another one that's, you know, not quite in the spotlight as much is the uh, Ro- what's happening with Robbie Fabry. Like he's a UFA at the end of this year. It's now or never to sort of make some big bucks in the NHL. So it'll be interesting to see how his season sort of plays out. Like, is he going to have that classic UFA or pending UFA year yeah. where he lights it up and then gets the bag or the Brinks truck backed up into his, into his front lawn? Um, or a first-round pick at the deadline. Or a first-round pick. <laughs> yeah. Like, what happens with Robbie Fabry, I think, will be a, a lesser story, but an interesting one nonetheless. I know that I know what you who you want to bring up, and I think this is going to be – not it's not Lucas Raymond, but this will be the biggest story on the Red Wings. Sam Gagne, absolutely. Sam Gagne <laughs> will he reach nine goals this year? Carter Rowney. Don't. Um, <laughs> Philip Zadina. He's Philip Zadina has has taken his steps. I think he looked better last year. He's obviously a bona fide NHLer now. He, there's no question of him not being on the team. It's really whether he's on the first line or second line. But we are at the point now where. Philip Zadina needs to convert his improvement and good play and continue that and convert those into goals. Pucks need to go into the net off of his stick or, you know, his teammate sticks off of passes from him. Like he needs to convert on the scoreboard and he now has the talent around him in my mind where he should be able to do that to some degree. Will I say anything short of 30 goals is a failure for Zadina? No, but I would like to see him be a 20 goal player this year. Yeah, I'm, he's going to be playing a prominent top six role and he's going to be playing on the power play. I, With the emergence of his playmaking last year, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm going to predicate Zadina's entire season on goal scoring because I, I think his offensive toolkit is well-rounded enough. He he can still be in fact impactful in multiple ways. But yeah, he's got to be a 40 to 50 point guy this year. He has to be. He's getting too big of an opportunity not to be. Um we can't use the excuse of, yeah, well, he spent like half of last year with Valtteri Filippo or who the hell ever. Um, he's going to play with quality players for the most, almost the entirety of this season. And he's going to play on the power play every game this season. Um, there is a bit of it up to the coaching staff to utilize him properly. Like on the power play, I liked him way more on the left side than the right side. But, you know, little tweaks like that are beyond his control. So he's got to do what he's got to do uh, regardless. But, yeah, I mean... I liked everything I saw from Zadina away from the puck last year mm-hmm. and and getting the puck to the net last year. 
And I hated just about everything I saw actually getting the puck into the net last year. So that's the one thing he needs to fix this year, but it's the hardest thing to fix. And uh, fair or unfair, he he has to. It's crazy to think that this is his first full season in terms of 82 games. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas Raymond. We talked about him making the team. Let's now talk about what happens after nine games or however many games it might, they might, you know, let's say Lucas Raymond is a player where after four or five games are saying, okay, the flash in the pan is dying off a little bit. He seems to be struggling five on five or his, his stamina isn't where we need it to be. And we know we want to him to have more time in the minors. Do we see a world where he's sent down? Yeah. And you know, they save for four or five games in him uh, to bring him up throughout the rest of the year without burning a year of his ELC. Cause that's another factor here. Like, there's arguments both ways, and I know Prashanth is actually uh, someone who's brought this up at different points. There's an argument to be had for bringing in uh, an ELC guy sooner, so you get his first contract in sooner and ostensibly cheaper. But the uh, conventional thinking is you delay the ELC as long as you can because then you have him for cheaper longer. So what can we expect to see from Lucas Raymond? What's success and what's not in your mind? I really don't know. And that sounds like just the laziest answer I've ever had, but I expected him to be to walk into camp, look all right, and be a surefire first liner in Grand Rapids. Um, just because, like, obviously, I was I was the leader of the Lucas Raymond fan club going into the drafts when we got him. I was thrilled. So him being great doesn't come out of left field, but he didn't play a ton in the SHL. He was getting minimal minutes and then when he started getting more minutes last year his season ended early due to an injury so he didn't even get a full season in there so I, I figured the adjustment to North America would be tough and the adjustment to like NHL level hockey would be tough and then he he, he came in with a sledgehammer and and absolutely pounded his way through the door and it's like okay I'm here play me um his his performance in the preseason exceeded even my already high expectations. So I don't know. I, I mean, it's easy to say and go, oh, yeah, if he puts up a half point per game, that's great. But I feel like what I want to see from him doesn't even matter points wise because I know he has that skill in him. It's I just want to see him control play. I want to see him look confident with the puck on his stick. I want to see him keep up his strong defensive game i i don't want to see him blowing assignments getting caved not able to transition the puck i essentially just want him to look like lucas raymond even if even if the point totals don't come i don't want him to be neutered out there i don't want him to play scared um so yeah if if he can play his style of game and at least be reasonably effective i'll take that as a huge win i'm expecting I'm expecting Lucas Raymond to see a little bit more challenge than obviously than he saw in the preseason because exhibition hockey is not the same as NHL hockey. Um, he is going to see, you know, the stacked Tampa Bay Lightning lineup. He's going to be seeing stacked NHL lineups. He, he saw them once or twice during the preseason, but not not in the effect where they're going to be banging him into the boards every shift. And you know what? NHL teams, whether you like it or not, coaches and players say, hey, that's that kid who just came in. He's their, you know, future star or whatever. Hit him. Hit him hard. Make sure he knows he's in he's in the big leagues now. He's, he's playing with grown men. Um, and that's the way these things go. And the Red Wings do it to other teams too. Um, for me, 
I'm almost in the camp of what you were saying previous, Brad, and in past episodes. I just don't want it to be I don't want it to be jerked around. If he's playing, I want him in for as long as possible. And if he's not playing, then you know, just the nine games. Don't burn the year of the ELC for no reason. Don't don't be in that middle ground. Um, I'm not terribly concerned about Lucas Raymond in the physical play of the NHL because what do we see in the preseason? He got in corners. He won puck battles. Like he was, he went hard to the net. He, uh, when there was scrums, he was often the first guy in grabbing a player much bigger than him. So uh, he has a hard nose and, and I think he's tough and he's played in professional leagues previous to this, quite obviously. So, uh, I'm not scared of that. I think success for Lucas Raymond means he stays on the top. This is the most obvious answer in the world, but he stays on the top line, produces well, and really gets Larkin back to the level and and helps Bertuzzi and or Zadina, whoever's on that top line. Um, you know, they have more productive players to play with, and we're seeing point totals no longer in the 40s and 50s leading this team anymore. You know, maybe we get a 70, 80 point Larkin again. What the expectation is, yeah, I I, I don't know either. I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic. I'm the optimist this episode. I'm gonna say he sticks. I'm gonna say he sticks in the lineup for the year. Well, the nice thing about the Lucas Raymond addition is he gets a good mix. I'm just looking at the schedule for nine games. He gets a good mix of really good teams, and then he's got gets a little bit of Columbus, some some Montreal. He gets some Vancouver, some Calgary. Like like there's Tampa, Vancouver, Columbus, Calgary, Montreal, Toronto. Florida, Washington, Chicago. So there's a good mix of teams at different spots in their contendership. So, you know, if he gets absolutely walked and looks completely out of place against Tampa, but then looks good against the Vancouver, for example, like, I think that's okay. Like, I, I don't really, I don't have great expectations for Detroit as a team against the Tampa, against Toronto, against Florida, like, if he's just like everybody else against those teams, I think that's okay. Um, but if he looks very competent against the middling teams, the teams that are similar in positions to Detroit, um, I, I think that'll be okay. But if he gets sent down, I won't be upset either because he really hasn't played a full year in North America or hasn't played any time really in North America. Um, and if he can go down to the AHL and dominate, I, I think that would be great for his development as well. Any other stories that you're looking at in the Red Wings? I think obviously here we'll talk about um, the coaching staff in a second, but other notable stories on the uh, the player side, things to watch develop throughout the year. Cider, Raymond, um, Zadina, those are the obvious ones. Hronik, anything else that you are going to be watching throughout the year where even if the Red Wings aren't winning games, you can watch that player and say, yes, that is a, this is a good outcome or no, this isn't going well. Something needs to change. Not For me, really. it's goaltending. Yeah, I there's still question marks there. Like Nadelkovich obviously had banana numbers in Carolina. Well, welcome to Detroit, where <laughs> one of your defensemen has no hips. Uh, Mark Stahl is playing for a position out there. You know, I'm not too like. I think he is a really good goalie. Obviously, since he's a Calder finalist, he has talent. But I think you know we're gonna need Thomas Grice to come in and you know stop the cold streaks from happening for Nadelkovich. Like I, I still, I think he will be a starter in the NHL. Like I'm not, you know, pessimistic against him. I just think there's like Jonathan Bernier has made Detroit's goaltending look a lot better than it should be in the past few years. And I think they need that to sort of continue to, to answer any questions that, that, that might be there. 
I also think something that's worth noting here is, yeah, Jonathan Bernie did elevate Detroit's goaltending. There are still games that Jonathan Bernie lost Detroit the game. For sure. There were still games, a lot of games last year with Grice before he really got warmed up or t- tuned into the team or he lost Detroit games. Uh, and then the inverse happened where Detroit offered no goal support and those guys would have won the game for any other team in the NHL and didn't. So these are trends. Like Evan was talking about trends. So don't panic if Grice or Nedeljkovic, you know, have a stinker. Yeah, if Nedeljkovic gives up six goals in the first game, I'm not going to throw in the towel against no. them. Like it's going to be a long year for <laughs> For the goalies once yeah. again. <laughs> I honestly expect Nedeljkovic to have a rough adjustment period. Oh, for sure. It's it's hard playing against, A, a different style of defense, and B, like a worse defense. You're not playing behind uh, uh, the Carolina. You're not playing behind Dougie Hamilton anymore. You're not playing behind Jacob Slavin. Like, it's not. Sorry. You got Nick Letty. He's good. Moritz Sider will help you out. But, like, the, it's, it's a tough assignment. It's a very tough assignment. Okay. Jeff Blashill. Ah, yes. Here we go. The the probably the most tepid, neutral, boring conversation that ever comes up on this podcast. Uh, the Jeff Blashill is the head coach of the Red Wings. What to expect now? What do you need to see for this year from Jeff Blashill in your mind for him to continue as Red Wings coach? Believe it or not, Brad, I'll let you go first on this okay. one. <laughs> so everything he did last year... <laughs> So my expectation for him to keep being the coach is everything he did last year and the last five years do the exact opposite this year. Basically change completely who he is as a person. No, I'm kidding. Um, This team has to score. That's the very, very short answer of it. Um, He was so one-dimensional as a coach last year in terms of style of play, in terms of focus, in terms of what he was preaching, in terms of the messaging. You can't have that in the NHL. That that's like uh, without getting into the nitty gritty of it. The Red Wings were capable defensively. Um, they did a really good job of stifling shots, uh, stifling goals. A bit bailed out by goaltending, but they had a worse roster last year, so that's fine. They were completely incapable of getting the puck up off up the ice. They were completely incapable of generating offense unless someone did something above their pay grade. They were completely incapable on the power play. It sounds overly simplistic, but this team needs to be able to score and the young guys need a leash. I'm sick of this playing scared because, you know, like if you're Lucas Raymond or Joe Valeno or whatever, one mistake and you're in the press box. That garbage has to stop. That that has never worked in the history of hockey. Um that's it. I'm, I can nitpick a million things, but they're not worth nitpicking about. Those are the two things. The young guys, Cider, Raymond, Valeno, whoever needs some rope, score some goals. End of statement. If I see one Hail Mary pass in the first game as like a set play, I'm going to just jump out this yep. window. <laughs> That's, it's, we're done here, folks. We'll see you next year. <laughs> I have this like, um, we still haven't moved it. It's from when we got the house. There's this like pallet deck. Right Perfect. below this window. So that that's a hard impact tree. That's not dirt and grass down there. If Cider lights up point and I pull my pants down, then have to jump out, there's going to be a lot of weird questions being asked. I, that'll be par for course for this neighborhood. Oh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, no better place to do it, really. It was, it was really nice walking up here in the daylight. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Although, you'd be surprised. That's one of the most stabby. <laughs> um, Jeff Blaschel, I think it's worth reiterating. He was extended earlier um, 
this spring. I think it was in May his extension came through. Um, the exact length of the contract has never been disclosed. We like They'll never say if it's one year, two year, one plus one. Pierre Lebrun said it's a two year contract. Whether that's one plus one or like a true two year, this isn't like a, I don't think, I don't view this as a contract year for Jeff Blasio. But as you know, with coaches, anything can change. Although the Red Wings aren't really in the business of spending money that they don't need to right now. They need to make back a lot of money. Um, those are the simple solutions, Brad. I think being patient with youngsters, giving them the opportunity. And I think Alex Tange coming in on the power play alleviates a lot of my concerns with this coaching staff. Um, that was a Dan Bilesman thing before, not Jeff Blaschel, to be, to be clear. I've seen a lot from Jeff Blaschel in the past where... I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? With the personnel coming in, he is doing more to allow this. Like the best players are playing more often. Um, like Luke Glendening and Darren Helm. Well, I like Darren Helm. I think we saw a lot less of Darren Helm playing higher than he should have. Like lot, like that. No, yeah, he played. He played on the fourth line. The fourth line just got 18 minutes tonight. I don't know if it was 18 minutes. There was a couple times it was legitimately 18. There minutes. are a couple games, yes, and that's the kind of stuff I want to get away from. Now that the Red Wings have much better players. Um, I don't mind sheltering young guys. Like if, if there's points where Lucas Raymond is just getting his shit kicked, but you don't want to push him out of the lineup. Yeah. Move him to the second line for a little bit. That's the kind of stuff. I don't mind that, but overall trends. Yeah. I, I agree with you in terms of what we want to see here. The Red Wings. One thing I want to make note of is yes, the power play has improved and that is fantastic. And the Red Wings need that to continue. So credit to Tange. I hope this translates into regular season. If it goes well, he's going to see himself as an attractive op- uh, option for coaching opportunities in the future. Five on five play is important. You can get good players and you can have a good coach, but if all that is brand new, it does not come instantly. You can't develop your systems. You can't develop your chemistry. You can't develop that muscle memory overnight. You can't develop it in the first 10 games. Shit, sometimes you can't develop it in one season. That takes time. I would like to see Jeff Blashill now that he has better personnel to do so, do something more than the chip and chase, the stretch pass chip, the dump in, whatever you it might be. want to see creativity. You want to see creativity. You want to lean on the skill that you have. Hey, Lucas Raymond had a dump and chase where he dumped it in, won a puck battle, and passed it out to Larkin in front for a high-quality chance. That can't be every time. I think That can't be the game plan. It can't be That's the game the, plan. That's the, oh, they're running a, a 1-2-2 two, two and you're running into a wall. Yeah. You have nowhere to go. Okay, get it in. Get them on their heels. See what you can do. But if you have space to move, t- you take it. If like F1, F2 are both below your blue line, then yeah, you're going to – Yeah, because you have Lucas Raymond on – and this is probably my biggest criticism of Palacio over the years, and so this isn't news to anybody, but especially with a guy like Lucas Raymond coming up who's so gifted offensively, so creative offensively. You have to let Lucas Raymond be Lucas Raymond. And Jeff Blaschel has been way too guilty in previous years of trying to fit a square peg through a round hole. Like, this is not who this player is. Don't try to make him your type of player. Play him to his strengths. Like, I'll just use, like, an example from the team I play for. So, my coach, who's coached very high level for years in Europe, his whole philosophy is when you're in the defensive zone, this is what you do. This is where you go. This is where you are. When we get the puck, this is where you go. This is our breakout. Defense, get it to the forwards as fast as possible. Quick transition. And then his messaging is once you cross that red line with possession, do what you want. We picked this team because we have fast, creative, skilled forwards. Utilize it. Now, obviously, I know the NHL can't be quite that free and loose, but like that has to be 
a little bit of the mentality. You have a Dylan Larkin, you have a Philip Zadini, you have Lucas Raymond, you have Tyler Bertuzzi. These are players who are capable of doing special things offensively, whether that's coming through the neutral zone for some of them in the offensive zone, whatever it might be, let them do it. The biggest thing the Red Wings had going against them last year offensively, not like beyond skill level compared to the rest of the league was predictability. We knew what they were doing every time. And if we as idiot fans know what they are going to do in every situation, the second the puck touches someone's stick, <laughs> you know the defense knows what's coming. Yeah. So if you get a Zadina or a Lucas Raymond who can live on their edges and make creative plays and, you know, make tight seam passes, yada, 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 let them. If it burns them every once in a while where they're crossing the offensive blue line and they try a cross-ice pass and it doesn't quite work and it's a turnover going the other way, Oh, well, it's growing pains. That should not be a demotion, a healthy scratch, a benching, anything like that. If it happens a lot, then yeah, you address it. But if it's every once in a while, who cares? The benefits outweigh the negatives. If it causes one goal against every few games, but he's got like five points in those six games, worth it. And that is not what we have seen from the Red Wings previously. And that has to be the mentality this year. Another one for me is... I can if we see the Blashills blender in the first game, I'm gonna fucking lose it <laughs> because nothing screams. I don't know what I'm doing more than just trying to throw anything at the wall and see what it sticks. Like you gotta let some of these guys fight through the tough matchups and like grind it out. Like, well, grind it out in terms of like you know co- overcoming obstacles. You can't yeah. just oh the, the Lucas let, Raymond looks bad on the first line. Okay, he's got to we got to move him down to the third line. And, to, and and play it like that. Like just keep them there. Keep players where they are or where that you think they're going to have success longer than five minutes or one game. Like you got to let them get through some adversity. And you know what? If if they need to move Lucas Raymond down to the third line and he finds success there, good. Like that's great. That's what a coach should do. That you want to put people in a position to succeed. It's if if I see the. I will jump out the window again if I see the blender in the first 10 minutes because it just screams to me that panic mode is already engaged and he doesn't know what to do. No confidence in his decision, no conviction in his plan. Yeah, no, it's it's a symptom of a bigger problem when he does that. Honestly. Basically, I'm jumping out the window for the home opener is, basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. What good or How high is that fall? Probably not high enough. <laughs> Um, I should either reinforce that window or make it like that sugar glass that they use in movies. Yeah. Either way. Um, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I actually, I'm not, I'm not worried. Like, I think you're both exactly right. I think those are definitely things where you need at the very base level, that stuff to go well, to have confidence in Blasio moving forward. And I'm optimistic. I think things are have already. I, I think he, Blasio deserves more credit than he maybe gets. Things have looked better probably from at some point last season onwards. And I think at this point, Eisenman is more – Eisenman knows where they are in the rebuild quite obviously. Um, and he knows that what Blashill does will specifically affect that the, play, the players that are key pieces in this rebuild. So he's going to be more in tune with it. He's going to be more involved. I think we're going to see a lot more of what you guys said we need to see. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. Is it going to go perfectly? No, but I think there's going to be – less griping at least for me this year am i overly optimistic today yeah but i uh i had a couple of really good coffees this morning so the caffeine's coursing through me so my 
don't you dare take credit as the optimist one. I had them in our in our Atlantic preview. I had them further in the standings than you did. By one spot. My point projections were higher than yours. Yes. I am just as pessimistic as ever about the coaching, though, because I, I've never not seen this. This has been he's been a one trick pony the whole time. I think he is, he is not. Again, in the preseason, it looked a little different. So there's reasons for optimism, but it's been what five, six years of the same shit. Like I, the benefit of the doubt is gone in my mind. I'm praying. I'm hoping I, I want to be wrong, but until I'm actually proven wrong, I'm going to keep griping. And because the team is better this year and because I expect improvement this year and because I do think the team is legitimately a lot better this year, the griping is only going to be harder. He has a team to work with now. This is the season for me. There's not, oh, he, he hasn't had a good roster. Yeah, yeah. I understand this isn't a playoff team. I don't care. That's not an excuse this year. He has tools to work with now. So what you're saying is this is make or break a year for him in your mind. Yes, absolutely. I thought last year was, but no, this is legitimately it. It has to be. He has. For you. Like, I think he's going to stay two years no matter what, probably. I agree. But, I agree with you. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, this is the year. Like, you have players and depth and like like we said there are no non-nhl players on this roster and that's the first time we can say that under in his tenure we have a special prospect like lucas raymond for the first time in his tenure we have a zadina who's been improving we have a larkin who's gonna hopefully have a full season like a legitimate top six pew Suter comes in you have a stud defenseman coming in in mosider you have a stud goaltender coming in in alex nandelkovich this is it. This is it. If you can't make something improve or or fix the issues you had last season, or at least I'm not going to say fix. If we can't see obvious improvement in the areas we mentioned, he's not the guy. He can't do it. Well, and if he does, great. No problems here. Keep him around as long as we want. But if he doesn't, yeah, I'm done. My overly optimistic pr- prediction will be things will improve to the point where I'm perfectly satisfied going into next year. Whether we like it or not, I think the qualifier still exists of still in a rebuild. Still, to a degree, doesn't matter as much as if you were like John Cooper in the Tampa Bay Lightning, for example. Don't care if they're going to finish 5th, 6th, 7th, or 8th. That is not going to base my opinion on Blashill this year. Okay. That's the Red Wings season preview. Lots of thoughts. Very different year from what we've had in the past. Um is that the last we're going to talk about those players in the lineup and the movement? No, absolutely not. I'm sure by Thursday, 55 things will have changed. I'm sure two hours from now when the roster freeze sets in, 55 things will have changed uh, for the Red Wings. But um, 21, 2021, 2022 is looking to be the most different year for the Red Wings since probably we've started the podcast. So stay tuned. Uh, let's jump into overtime here as we start to get into the last phase of this episode. Obviously, Red Wing season preview episode is a major one, so we're going to get to as many overtime questions as we can. I'm not sure if we'll have time for all of them or even um, beyond Patreon. Of course, we have some Reddit questions and stuff, but that's the name of the game for these these big um, um, pillar episodes. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast if you want to support the show and uh, buy Evan some allergy medication. Please, yes. You shouldn't have taken the whole bottle I gave you. I'm surprised you're still standing, but um, it was funny to see you eat them like Tic Tacs. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start with a question from Winged Wheels and Steering Wheels. says, what would be the hockey version of Squid Game? Red light, yeah. green light on skates would be 
I'm going to have to let you guys answer this. Yeah, that would basically work. Did you ever do the gauntlet? You guys ever do the gauntlet drill where you're... You just gave your teammates CTE? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the guy you hated the most, or the the team all hated, because you're the lowest at the totem pole, just just gets destroyed. First time I ever ran the gauntlet, I didn't really understand. And so I skated probably a foot and a half off the boards. I just got my shit kicked. This makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, My balls itch says uh well boys i'm thankful for fantasy hockey it helps me with uh, that depression also making you ryan saying weird shit helps too thank you my balls itch uh if you could take a former red wing this year um for fantasy not named lidstrom eisman fedorov or how who would you go for probably probert for the penalties for me <laughs> shanny would be a great fa- fantasy player oh yeah he'd check every box that was the one i thought of immediately Hashik. Yeah, I, I th- yeah, I think that's the right answer. Shani or Hashik do it for sure. Depending on how heavily your league leans on goaltending. Because if it's if it's a, if you got more than four goaltending categories, then Hashik's the answer. <laughs> uh Nick Geyer says, Who makes up your guys' dream blunt rotation? Oh. What the hell does that mean? I don't know if you could ask three people, three worst people that question. Um, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I think like passing around a blunt is what they're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me, myself, and I in a quiet room so nobody can harsh my buzz. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know, man. Gummy bears are where it's at. Matt S. Um, says, I'm very hyped for this year. Do you see anyone breaking out that you wouldn't expect on the wings this year? For example, Adam Ernie season last year, the Guelph line, Suter, etc. I mean, I think we've got expectations of Suter. Um Valeno maybe I could see a reality where he sneaks in on power play too if he's getting regular minutes there's nobody on this bottom six that jumps out to me like that they're going to be anything more than capable but I guess that's the unexpected part so maybe Mitchell Stevens Mitchell Stevens is what I was going to say Michael Rasmussen yeah maybe he becomes that power play guy that he was touted to be when he was drafted does he have a power play goal yet in his NHL career I actually don't know know unfortunately I think the answer is no but I'm not sure (laughs) I don't know. Um, you have a laptop. I was about to look it up, and I was like, no, Evan has a laptop this episode. Uh, also, uh, Matt, just uh, DM on the Twitter, the Winged Wheel Pod account. Drake Moore says, what would have to happen for this season and next season for Jeff Blaschel to be a Jack Adams finalist? Making the playoffs? Make it to round two? Playoffs. Yeah. If he gets this roster to the playoffs, I'll be at the forefront of that Jack Adams uh, push. Uh, Reed says, what do you guys think of interviewing George Malik on the show? Oh, we love George. We're always happy to have him on. Um, Al Robbins says, each of you guess a D-man and forward to ship at the deadline and what we get back. Letty and Fabry, a first and a second. Yeah, if, if the Red Wings get a second back for Letty, that'd be fantastic. I was saying for Fabry. I had that. You had that backwards. Sorry. First for Letty, second for Fabry. Oh, second. I think that makes... I think that might be a little bit optimistic. I think... I'm going to go wild card here and say Bertuzzi, Letty. And you're talking firsts there, at least to first. Yeah. Um, Ryan Lee says, who do you guys see as the likeliest trade bait options this year? Assuming Letty doesn't want to stay. Um, also, when I asked for Evan's favorite metal bands, I was not expecting him to name Between the Buried and Me. They are one of my all-time favorites. Anyways, let's go Red Wings. As usual, Evan's uh, personal life is the most popular part of the show. Michael Rasmussen has four power play goals. In the NHL? Wow. That's what 
That's what the internet tells me. That is a, that is three more than I thought, and also way too few for a power play specialist. I figured he had some, but you guys were so confident. I was like, am I missing something? Uh, I, off the top of my head, I literally can't remember one of them, though. So guy played like two seasons. Yeah, I can't remember one of them. He's averaging two per year. Big year, Mike. Um, trade bait is going to be, whether you like it or not, Bertuzzi. It's going to be Fabry, it's going to be Letty, and it's going to be whatever other player who is not part of the long-term plan but is playing well. Stetcher. Stetcher. Like, unpopular answer here. Let's say Verona comes back and is immediately hot. I don't – rough timeline. I don't know if he's back by the trade deadline. Oh, yeah. It'll be right around. Um, Michael Barry says, Ryan, what advice did you give to Dr. Iyer on being a parent? Um, I did ask him what – coding language he would ask or he would teach his kid first and he says he hopes hopefully picks up both r and um, python um but i'm not qualified to give parenting advice did you give him parenting advice brad I we talked about i did i just said congrats he's got he's getting a million things thrown at him right now when when someone is someone has a new baby uh the best thing you can do is wish them well Offer your help and shut the hell up because they are going through more shit right now than you could possibly imagine. Uh, and yes, they, he does have a onesie on the way. Also, uh, M Live projected an opening day lineup without Lucas Raymond. Out of 10, how mad would you be? I don't know, like six. I think he would deserve at least opening night, but it is what it is. Eight. There's no reason to at least not give him the nine. Kyle Kragitz is just for fun. Uh, I have two stories about my father-in-law. First, my wife and I just moved into our house. When my father and I were replacing the floors, he looked at the boxes we had left, looked at the room and looked at me and says, would we have enough to finish? Would we have enough to finish? Classic dad joke. Apparently back in the day, my father-in-law trained Robin Leonard when he was a teenager. I've got a pretty cool father-in-law. Shut up, Brad. Let's go Red Wings. Buried the lead there, Kyle. That's cool. (laughs) Uh, CNUT says, anyone else glad uh, Brad can put the Barkoff signing to rest? No, just me and my cynical self. Uh, anyways, I think Mrs. Blash would be a little upset with Raymond's last two preseason games. I'll blame that on fatigue, but might be enough to be sent down. Um, we will know by the time this is posted. So my question is, who is Brad going to shout from the rafters that we should sign? Well, I was against the Pedersen thing, so that's dead. I was for the Barkoff thing, so that's dead. I don't know anybody else is worthwhile in the next UFA crop, so... Uh, Start getting creative with trades. Aaron Hudson says, hey, boys, my six-year and one-year-old nephews have been staying with my wife and I while they're they're part take a quick weekend. Anyways, uh, well, it looks like I'm getting a vasectomy ASAP. Children are monsters. Send help and coffee. (laughs) Who will be the biggest surprise performance on the Wings roster this season? Um, Didn't we just answer that? Alex Tangay, new answer. (laughs) Tony H says, which team is it harder to be a fan of right now? The Lions or the Sabres? That's okay. The Sabres. The Lions have at least been competitive in a few games. As a Lions fan who expects nothing and is still hurt every game, I am not, we're not in the middle of losing Megatron right now. And that's what is happening to Buffalo. So I will say Sabres for now. I mean, you did just lose Stafford why are you like this 
The Caminator says, Phonies, the podcast claims to be about all things hockey and casually omitted a season preview for the WOSHL and did no deep dive on new prospects for the Aurora Rocks. Disappointed doesn't begin to describe how I'm feeling. <laughs> Brad hasn't scored yet. I got an assist. I can assist. <laughs> yeah, here's your participation medal. And, and, and a sore neck. <laughs> um, Adam Bybee says, Evan, what Between the Buried and Me album is your favorite? Mm, well i've been listening to colors a lot lately but i don't know if it's my favorite i was gonna say colors too for sure definitely <laughs> colors and uh what's the other one i'm not helping you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought i'm not helping you was a really good album but i think it's a bit overrated <laughs> dylan larkin's fat ass has just got to say listening to steve dangle while high is a great experience <laughs> <laughs> i think steve would probably say the same thing uh, new simp says good day dud duds new simp here uh, like the commenter last week I too have been listening for over 10 years and have now decided to join the echo chamber I realized commenting on every tweet in desperation you'll notice me wasn't enough so I was forced to do what is essentially only fans for podcasters and become a patron time to get commercial here I'm sick of the no free ad stick you always let your guests promote their stuff so we can get a shout out for the following businesses Brad sporting goods proud sponsors of the Tavistock Royals nope Milverton four wheel drives nope the Alora Rocks, that's it. Because if you can't make the team, buy your way on, kids. Really wish it was that easy. <laughs> uh, financial company. Ponzi scheme. What Ponzi scheme? We're totally not gambling with your life savings. Uh, and what hospital do you work at, Ryan? I'm assuming you're a doctor, Brian. Oh, God, this is my mother. I was about to say, is this, is this Mama Hannah? Yeah. Uh, what's that? You work at a university? Impressive. Which med school do you teach at? Give them a plug. <laughs> Jersey time. Patches on jerseys. Like or dislike? Top four patches uh, on Wings jerseys, but you can't use Stanley Cup Finals patches. Obviously, the VKSM patch is undisputed number one. Yeah, that's number one. I was a sucker for the, uh, what was it, the the black anniversary patch in the early 90s. Can't picture I can that. picture it in my head, but I can't really describe it. It's dumb, stupid. Mr. I patch. Mr. I and the Gordy one, although that's kind of cheating because they were the same season, but yeah. Uh, I don't mind jersey patches at all. I think... All the time, like, is weird, but certain occasions or certain things call for it for a full season. But I don't mind jersey patches. I'm sad now because jersey patches are likely going to go away as we know them because of jersey ads next year. Yay. So that sucks. Max $1 million says this might be a way, a way of my sneaking Stu Grimson into an all, all-time Red Wings lineup. If you're making a lineup filled with just the greatest nicknames in Wings history, who would you be on your squad? Oh, yeah. Grim Reaper has to be on there. The Dominator and Net. Yeah. The Magic Man. Yep. The Captain. Yep. The Perfect Human. Yep. I yep. was going to say Mr. Hockey. Mr. <laughs> he should, he Terrible should. Ted. Terrible Ted. Yep. Oh, that's a, Are there any like lesser players? What was Brett Hall? Didn't, wasn't he the Golden Boy or something? The Golden Brett because his dad Brett. was Golden Jet. Yeah. You can make that. Uh, that's a good series of nicknames. You can make a really good lineup. Like it's still really close to an all-time lineup. Is there any like, like obviously you remember all the big players? I'm trying to remember like the lower down the lineup players who had like backhand Luke. Oh. Cool, cool backhand Luke. Goose. Goose is good. Goose just because it was used so heavily. Yeah, tuna. The goose is loose. Yeah. That might be uh, part of a, a larger Patreon exclusive. Uh, Ohio State number one says, if the Wings had to swap color schemes with another team, who would you choose? Seattle. Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> Seattle, yeah. Uh, Seattle's a good one. Uh, 
Carolina, but with the caveat, it's their Hartford Whalers throwbacks. All right. <laughs> no other team. I don't know. Vegas. Michigan. <laughs> Mark S. says, no question. Love the show. Continuing to look forward to November 13th. Um, Cody Stark says, who is your favorite? No chance at slash unlikely to make the roster guy this year. Mine was Riley Barker. Jonathan Bergen. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think Joe Valeno was unlikely to make the roster. Eh, he wasn't as far off as I think we thought. I try not to get too attached to those guys. I know everyone every year wants Taro Hiroshi to make it. And, like, it's so easy to root for that guy, but he's just not going to. He played well, too. Like, yeah. if this was his preseason, he played well enough. To, as good as I've seen him play. And if that's not good enough, then, yeah, no, it's never happening for him. Give Blood Fight Probert says, hey, boys, great work as usual. Do you have any insight on as to when Detroit will host an NHL event in the new arena? Isn't it like a rite of passage for when you open a new state-of-the-art barn that you get an all-star game or draft or something? Supposed to be. They are. They were in the bidding and they were in like the final process, I think, for a few things. Um, I think everything is just backlogged because now we have to do make good for like Montreal in the draft, for example, Vegas and Seattle, like the attention on Vegas is still coming down and now it's going to ramp up in Seattle because that is free money to have NHL events there that is going to create so many new fans. It'll happen. It's just a confluence of events to push it back. Matt McKay says, just wanted to say that I'm happy to see the success that you've had with the pod. Love the content and looking forward to the meetup. Who do you think will be a dark horse pick for the Olympics for either Team Canada or USA? Like, player? Yeah. Oh. Jack Eichel at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's tough. Canada, I'll say Darcy Kemper. Because I don't see him on any projections, and I think he should be. I think didn't I have him on mine? Anyways, the U.S. Problem is, I've I've only seen a couple of U.S. projections because obviously we're up here in Canada, so I don't know who would be considered a dark horse because like like the names that are coming to my head, I actually just assume are on the roster, so I don't think they're dark horses. Well, we talked about this before. We talked about this in our Patreon exclusive like roster lineups. The U.S. is going to have a lot of American defensemen that are going to be on the outs. Is Jack Hughes a dark horse? Mm, I guess. Like, because that's who immediately came to my mind. But I'm like, Jack Hughes would be a good dark horse. But then the other part of my mind is like, no, he should obviously be on that roster, right? Like, I don't know. Uh, he also asked, Evan, will you sign my winged wheel podcast coaster? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Teej says, oh, he asked about Jeff Blashill. What would he have to do to make him re- or make us be happy with him re-signing as coach, we talked about that. Babe Landiscog says, "Dub dub club, dub dub club." I have a bold slash unpopular opinion. I like the Wings to use a third jersey that's black and white or black and red, similar to the 2019 All Star Game. I think the black and red might be cool. It, would it be sacrilegious? Sure, but I think it might be cool. Every iteration of a Wings third jersey I've seen that has been black, I have universally hated. It is not a good look with the Red Wings. No. No, if you're going to do it, you have to sell out on it. Like, I mean, black with like gray, like just black the whole damn thing out. Uh, Colorado 14ers says, I've been a fan of Red Wings hockey since the mid 80s and Mickey Redmond and Paul Woods have been there the whole time. Bruce Martin and the late Dave Strader preceded Ken Cal and Ken Daniels respectively and were great in their own rights. But there was to uh, rebuild 
when the time came for them to move on. Both of the Kens filled the big shoes for them perfectly and have come to be known and respected for their knowledge and professionalism in both the game and broadcasting itself. When I hear other announcers whom have obviously not taken the time to learn the correct pronunciation of a player's name, Hyros, ugh, uh, or basic facts about an opposing team, it always makes me grateful for the TV and radio experiences I've had over the last 35 to 40 years. Here's to hoping that Ken and Mick can go another 25 and then Ken Cal and Paul Woods, who still sounds like he's 28, can do the same. AJ Voss says, if Steve Eisman never left Tampa Bay, what do you th- think the state of our front office would be today? The exact same that it was right before when that right before he got here. I think Ken Holland wouldn't have lasted another year or two. I he absolutely built up too much credibility with that organization to be ushered out that quickly. And to be fair, in his defense, the last few moves he made before he left, when he finally embraced the rebuild, weren't terrible. No, he was coming around on everything he did that was catastrophically stupid was in when he was trying to keep an obviously dead team alive, like. When he traded Tatar, that turned into Valeno, Master Simone, and Nedeljkovic. Like, that worked out pretty well. Vax, Wax, and Blocked by Jay Fresh on Twitter. <laughs> Joseph, you're blocked by a lot of people. Hey there, fellas. Uh, I hope that one day I can run a hockey account on Twitter with a cute little red and blue player cards uh, and info stolen from another service. When I finally do partner with a legit data resource, I don't reveal any methodology. I expect everyone to treat the repurposed data as unequivocal truth and gospel tough times these days as the pendulum has swung the other day regarding nyc housing rental pricing has skyrocketed past post-quarantine has skyrocketed post-quarantine with people moving back to the city in droves though i'm optimistic and searching real hard to find a similar deal that the detroit red wings pay as they continue to live rent free uh in jay fresh's head i must have missed something um clearly yeah did you know that the koala bear has a rear orifice called a cloaca that they through which they pee poop and copulate it's often riddled with chlamydia from Evan's hot tub. <laughs> Aussie for Hall of Fame, stay fresh cheese bag. How high are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the cycle continues. Beer League Healthy scratches. if the last episodes proved anything, it's that Evan is no doubt the true man of mystery and should be in line for the next James Bond role. ABR is my favorite band if I had to pick. Uh, I'm even braving the, Baron, the jersey to the Barron State of Ohio to see them soon. And when BTBAM and DGD, you're just listing letters, were listed, I just yelled, fuck yeah, in my car. And my wife asked, what the hell is wrong with me? Also, Ryan, I get the hair thing. I went to my longtime barber and he asked if I wanted it longer on top to cover my hairline that's been receding recently. That's, Jesus. I know. Hey, barbers are there to tell you the truth, not to make you feel good. I appreciate that. Yeah. Shut up with your hairline. Uh, I'm just both of you. I don't know what. Yeah, I'm well overdue for a haircut right now. Uh, I'm just excited about hockey coming back. <laughs> the youth revolution is near. Joe Delia says, uh, a while ago I asked to uh, asked you to pick a player from a team you hate that you had to buy his jersey. How about for today, pick a former wing from the past 10 years who's on a different team's jersey you have to buy. Minus points for double A and LA's third jersey for the obvious choice. Absolutely. A thousand percent agree. Um, Nyquist Columbus third jersey. What other former wings are there that went elsewhere? Tatar, Brendan Smith. Uh, Does Tom McNosek now play on Florida? Boston. Ah, never mind. He had a he had a stint in what's his what's it called? He had more than a stint in Vegas. He yeah, had three pretty good years. Yeah, there. I think Vegas actually that's a that's a really good answer. Nyquist, I think, is just the more prominent one that comes to my head. Oh, Jonathan Bernier, um, Green and Red, New Jersey Devils. 
Miss Days says, which prospect will make the next team next after Raymond and Valeno? I really thought Bergeron would it would be it, but his camp wasn't great, possibly due to injury. I was thinking about that. There's nobody beyond Valeno and Raymond. There's nobody really like hammering on the door right now in terms of timeline. It might be another late rookie year next year. Well, it'll depend on how ready Shane Wright is. <laughs> um, and it, in all honesty, it'll depend on McIsaac and Sabrango's Grand Rapids years. Yeah, I don't think either of them, even if they have good years, are going to be there. Berggren's probably the answer if he has a big year in Grand Rapids. Um, because none of the guys who are over in Europe right now, I, I think, are going to come over straight to the NHL. Yeah, it's going to be a lean year next year. Uh, we have time. We'll take one or two Reddit questions. I see a lot of people just <laughs> Red Wings 1023 says I demand justice for Bobby. Um, RG, uh, 6EX says, let's entertain the idea that Brad Lambert goes top three in the draft. How much would it suck to have a guy named Brad go in the top three? Yuck. <laughs> oh, if we had a Brad on this team, ugh. Brad Richards entire tenure with the wings was during the existence of this podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Um, Abuyuki says, um, you're the coolest person in the world for your music taste, Evan. And Jay Sayers says, which is more likely to happen? Uh, Brad, Raymond outpaces all rookie forwards this season by 20 points or Cider has a Corsi four above 60%. Which one of those is more likely? The Cider one by a lot. <laughs> uh, Evan, Spieth regains form and finishes top three in the FedEx standings next season or Bryson and Brooks are paired together in three tournaments next year. Jordan Spieth. I think he's close. And for me, Evan gets a hole-in-one in 2022 where Brad scores a natural hat-trick this season. Uh, it's got to be the Hattie. I think you're cursed, Evan. <laughs> I can't even hit a green right now, so there's no hole-in-one any time likely in my life. I I just don't think for someone who plays as much golf as you do, having not hit, if you haven't hit one now, you actually won't hit one until you're 55. It's going to be the round where I'm like on pace for like one of the worst rounds. 12 over through nine hits it on 10. Because then I have to frame a scorecard where there's like doubles and triples and like what am I doing? I promise you the way it's going to happen is we're going to be out golfing together because we still have to do that. Um, I am going to on a stupid par three pull out the wrong club, get the nicest balance off of like a wet green or something, sink it. And I'll I killed myself. I actually <laughs> will. You and Catherine, those are the two people. I will actually quit golf. I'm gonna get Evan, the whole one, and then you're you. gonna get it. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> That's you're, is that is that you're saying of Brad is a competent golfer, so it's not totally insulting. Because I know uh, if you brought it up a thousand times, like I know Ryan and Catherine would, then I would <laughs> lump you in with that list. But yeah, that's the short list for sure. And the worst part is you'd hit a hole in one like six holes later. <laughs> that would that would make my life a lot better. I think no, because you'd have to have his hole in one framed on your wall. The funny thing is, is mine came first. Your, your like window of happiness would be so short lived. I wouldn't care. I want you to get no, a hole in one. No, because if, if I was in Ryan's shoes and that happened, the first time you secretly let us into your house, like I'm going to take a sharpie and go over and sign that scorecard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Red Wing season preview episode. Again, uh, head over to our Twitter account to figure out how you can win tickets to the home opener. Stay tuned for this Thursday. We are going to be live streaming, um, watching the game, watch along with us, and then recording an episode after. Lots of other fun stuff to come. More info on the event, uh, more interviews. Um, Evan's going to do more pie dances. Also, by the way, 
buddy, you crushed that pumpkin pie. Oh, it was good? Yeah, it was good. I like the uh, one yeah. I made with the other ingredients more, but was, I'm glad it survived. How did you switch it? Like, what changed? Just to use different filling. Oh, okay. Yeah. It wasn't... Um, pumpkin pie can be aggressively sweet sometimes, mm. and you struck a good balance, I found. Oh, thank you. Um, we'd like to thank all of our listeners, our name-level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, uh, Terry Driver of Crying Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slam and Jamathong, Taylor Tagel, uh, Brandon M., Carl Brutan and Analuski, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Greech, Hanali, Hassam Al Qasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kalen Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, My Balls Itch, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stacey Lynn, Stove Iserplan, Joe Santangelo, Vax Wax and Blocked by Jay Fresh on Twitter, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landis Cog, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Dylan Larkin's fat ass, Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, uh, John Evans, um, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S, Max $1 million, Reed, Revy DeLuca, Trevor Pepevar, Zach Handyside, Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Folks, Red Wings hockey is going to be back very, very soon. Can't wait. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.